Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, WNYXicans. I'm Lauren, and I will be today's host. I'm here with appreciator of sea turtles, Thaddeus, and singing velociraptor connoisseur, Tom. Got it. <laughs> Save the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, Bill's autobiography, is the second of three episodes in our Bill Bastic unit of episodes. This was originally scheduled to be our first episode of the unit, but in light of the recent passing of James Caan, we moved up our coverage of the episode Movie Star. We hope you've had a chance to give that a listen. Now I'm going to kick it off with our Agent Zero Pew Pew plot synopsis. Bill's autobiography was season two, episode seven. It aired on November 21st, 1995, which was a Tuesday. Bill is offered a book deal to write his autobiography. However, he is suffering from writer's block. The staff tried to help by offering suggestions for titles, as well as stories he should include. Despite their best efforts, he is unable to write more than two words, and Dave eventually helps him get out of the deal altogether. This is one of only seven episodes in the entire series that doesn't have a B story. The other six being Rat Funeral, Station Sale, Jumper, Stupid Holiday Charity Talent Show, Wino, and New Hampshire. Fun fact there for you. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> now, we've chosen a few categories and games, and I, as Host Supreme, not to be confused with Crunchwrap Supreme, will award <laughs> arbitrary absa points to the contestants for their answers and arguments. At the end of Part A, I will award one lucky contestant our episode's absa award for excellence in this podcast. So, let's get started with Round 1, Absa Fever. All right. Thad is going to be up first. Mm-mm. What scene would you show to a new person? All right. Uh, the scene I would show to a new person is Bill the next morning after they go to the bar when he walks in all disheveled into Dave's office. <laughs> and they go through the tape recorder gag uh, of, of Dave singing again and then uh, you know him in traffic. Then you get to him telling Dave and Lisa about how everyone can't wait to see him fail. Getting to the, you're laughing right now on the inside. <laughs> and obviously he walks out and he's like, you are laughing right now. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that scene, just everybody performs well. The writing's tight. I think anybody walking in watching that scene starts laughing right away. That's a really great scene. It is a great scene. <laughs> Although I do think I do think it's the day it's the day of the bar. They they go to the bar later that night. I think he comes in and and I'm pretty sure that's the order it goes in. But it's it's a great scene. That was high on my list. We'll have to go back and 
check the time log check, on that check one. the videotape um <laughs> and the reason i noticed this is because my my next scene is the bar scene um and it's weird because he he doesn't look as disheveled in the bar as he does beforehand and it's like oh, so okay. yeah um but anyway that bar scene is great they're they're giving bill the just terrible compliments about <laughs> random things <laughs> and um just trying to make him feel better and he you know he's listing off the ways that he's jealous of or, or how he views everybody in in the office and uh yeah that's a great scene that is a really great scene okay thad what's the second scene you would like to show to a new person Okay, so actually, Tom is right. That that is correct because my next one is the next morning after the bar, which is okay. with Bill walking in to see Jimmy destroying the display. Okay. And then Bill <laughs> gathering everybody around him, and you get to the climbing, 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 uh, and, and Dave telling him he can't do it, and then them going into the office for the next scene. So uh, so yeah, I apologize, uh, Tom. You're absolutely right. The morning after the bar is him walking in and seeing Jimmy snapping the thing right over his leg <laughs> and giving him the A2 Jimmy. Just kidding, of course. Really good scene. Yeah, the way he awesome. gathers everybody around. Yeah. <laughs> I've got you people to thank for it. <laughs> it's such a different look for him in both those scenes. Like the very disheveled look yeah. to the very put together, like with the three piece suit with mm-hmm. the vest and the whole thing. Yeah. So interesting contrast in your choices. Right. All right, Tom, what's your second choice for a scene to show to a new person? Uh, my, it would be the first time that uh, Dave gives Bill the, the uh, tape recorder. Um, that okay. scene with him and Lisa and, and Bill uh, in the office. Um <laughs> Kind of not. I don't think it's as good. I think the other three that we've already mentioned are probably head and shoulders above that one, but it's probably the next best one. Well, that's on my list too. That's a, that's no. one of my top four. No. That it is a good one. No. Okay. <laughs> what is your obsession with that song? <laughs> and Dave's reaction. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm going to give that round to Thad. I'm scoring that 9 to 10, so one round in favor of Thad. And we are going to move on to quotes. So, what quote is most usable or you want to use in real life? And we're going to go to Tom first this time. Okay. Um, This one, I think, is just the most usable overall. Um... No, I'm being incredibly sarcastic. Ah, that's solid. It's just, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm pretty sarcastic a lot of the time. So that would come in handy. Just the setup that he does for that, though. Uh-huh. It's just, oh, I really got like this rest. <laughs> really? No. And the smile, oh, that yeah. big cheesy grin mm-hmm. when he says it too. <laughs> that's a good one. And he maintains the smile mm-hmm. through the line right. you just used. So that's, yeah. that's what makes it so great. All right, tough one to follow. Dad, what do you got? What's most usable? Um, so I'm going to go with your laughing right now on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's, it's odd enough. It can catch somebody's attention. But then you can kind of follow it up with whatever that you want. You know, like you could literally just look at somebody out of nowhere and be like, you're laughing right now. 
on the inside. <laughs> you know, and just just them trying to figure out what the hell is going on all of a sudden. Uh, I think would be amusing to me. So I think that's a line that I could use, and you know, maybe even maybe even lead to some interesting conversations going for that. You have probably picked up on the fact that I like when these quotes leave the other person more confused. (laughs) (laughs) They're usable in the sense that you can work them into conversation, but they don't have to be perceived well or anything like that. You just have to be confident when you say it. It's going to work out. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Tom, give me another quote. What's your second most usable quote? Would you care to go out and warm them up again? (laughs) (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you're going to a meeting or something and you know <laughs> and you could then follow that up with no I'm being incredibly sarcastic exactly. yeah, <laughs> wow. the combo. double whammy mm-hmm. Tom is living in 3022 <laughs> hit him with the left then on the right Very good. Okay, Thad, second quote for you. Right, so What's most usable? My second quote is going to be, you'd be cocky too if you had this, because it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think with anything that I have, like, hey, that's a good looking burger. You'd be cocky too if you had this, because it's that good. Like, I just, again, it's a little bit nonsensical at first, but the overall tone and the way that you can use it, I think a lot of situations, like anytime anybody looks at anything you have, essentially you can kind of bust that out so uh i I really look forward to the opportunity to try to use that in real life somewhere oh man uh these are this is a this is a you have a podcast you'd be cocky too if you had something because it's that good (laughs) it's very usable yep and now that uh, news radio is back on amazon prime or whatever like even more usable right Big yep. news. Woo, woo. Yeah. We should Dorks do, assemble. We should yeah. do a special drop. Special episode. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. I'm going to give the edge to Tom on this one just because of the, the combo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very rarely can you use two of these quotes together. I mean, man. Double word score. Okay. Double score. Nice. Okay. Moving on. What gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? And Thad, we're going to you first. All right. Uh, This is a little bit tough, but I'm going to go with Bill's compliment slash insult at the bar. (laughs) The go, despite her go nowhere job. (laughs) Two hit monkey. (laughs) They don't make money like you. Like, and the reason is, is that you can't, you never feel bad for Bill. Every time you're about to give him any type of pity or any type of like, man, he's in a tough and kind of like, you know, humanize him a little bit and have some empathy for him. He will do or say something where you're just like, what a jerk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like that, I hope I don't say that, but like when, when Matthew's like, yeah, I have my slow days too. <laughs> As he's talking about writing his title. It's like, right, I can't root for Bill. So that that scene, when he's really, like they're trying to be empathetic and help him, and he's just like, nope, I would to compliment you, but it's going to be an insult as well. <laughs> And of course, Matthew is the only one who takes it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
That's a good one. Okay, Tom, uh, what gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? There's there's a bunch, but I, I think the one that I like the most is Matthew having a good idea, saying it out loud, and then immediately screwing it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. he comes up with the, the sentence. Twice, he's always yeah. like, "Oh, that's a he." You know, he recognizes the sentence that Bill says be a good opening sentence, and then he cannot repeat it. And then the same with the <laughs> "Give me twelve minutes, and I'll give you my life." Can't can't get back to that either. So. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and also it it gave you the title for your your book, you know. Pretty true. I I I wasn't gonna say it, but since you said it, extra point. <laughs> there we go. See? Play well to the played, judge. Turner, well played. <laughs> <laughs> and because of the extra point, that round goes to Tom. So Tom fired is currently leading two rounds to one. And that brings us to the coolest detail or the nice adequate touch. And Tom is up first. So what's the coolest detail here? I'm really between two, but I'm going to go with when Lisa is doing her laughing on the inside. She does a great, <laughs> like, um, she does a great job of showing that. Like, you know, it's it's mostly straight, but there's just a little twinge of something around the corners of her mouth and her eyes, just a little bit, and she just does does just enough that you can absolutely believe that she is laughing on the inside. But also believe that it's not that visible. It's not obvious to anybody else. It's so subtle. It's very subtle. It really is. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Dad, what's your nice detail or adequate touch? Um, okay, so I'm going to go with Bill's entrance at the beginning of the episode is actually foreshadowing in the entire episode. I mean, that he comes in with a bluff. Knock, knock. No, Dave, knock, knock. But then he doesn't have the back end written and he has to quit on it. So in a weird way, it's like that first minute of the episode actually shows you what's going to happen in the entire episode. Wow. He comes in, he bluffs himself as a writer, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, that's all I've got. And ultimately <laughs> drops the entire joke the same way he drops the entire biography because he just doesn't have anything to come up with. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Don't know how many times I've seen this episode, and I never picked up on that. That is really so. good. And it also foreshadows his um, the public domain. Like, oh, that's all I got so far. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, yeah. It sets up, yeah. up as, a, as a non-finisher, I guess. Yeah. Works. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, points for that. Um, that round is going to Thad. So, Back in the game. As no one could have predicted, we're tied. <laughs> Two rounds apiece. Man. <laughs> so rarely happens. Bringing us... I know, it's so rare. We should note this down in the record books. <laughs> All right. That brings us to our best episode enigma. And Thad, you're up first. What's your best episode enigma? Um, I don't feel like this is a great one, but I don't understand how Bill has nothing written at all. And so the question is, is he a reporter or is he literally a guy who just reads what's handed to him? Is he a Ron Burgundy? <laughs> like, is, is this what we're dealing with here? You know, I, I always assume that like Lisa or Matthew, like he did some reporting or he did some writing on his own. Uh, but does he not do any work? Three was three weeks, three months. Not, the outline, two words. So 
I, uh, again, I don't love this as an answer, but it's the one question I cannot get off my mind is like, does he really not write anything at all? He just reads what's handed to him. I mean, he has some editorial segments, right? Like he's got the real deal with Bill. But does he write it or is he just freestyling it off the top of his head? I mean, the, the segments that we hear, I can't imagine anyone else would have written that. I'm sure he wrote, <laughs> right? he wrote the section about penis. <laughs> that's, that's a, but like when Chuck D shows up, Matthew's the one that wrote what he read, uh, what he read on air. Or he says anyway. That's true. Mm. That's true. Maybe he's never written anything. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. He will say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. I, yeah. I don't have an answer to that. Okay, Tom. What is your best episode enigma? Okay. Well, Bill comes in and he's he does the toothpaste bit um, yeah. when he goes into <laughs> Dave's office and he looks very rumpled. Yeah. And then he clicks, you know, they start the tape. They flip it over after it plays Horse With No Name. But <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I used that to get to sleep last night. Now, does it look like Bill slept at all <laughs> last night? Like, why hasn't he brushed his teeth at home? If he, like, it looks like he has just been... Burning a candle at both ends, but yet he used that to sleep. So that's my that's my enigma there. Yeah. Did Bill sleep? Yeah. That's the question. Right. <laughs> Looks like a hobo. <laughs> Handsome hobo. They did. They did a great job of making him look just absolutely wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, those are both really good questions, and I don't have any answers to either of them. So I think I'm going to score that round a tie. Okay. (laughs) Which means we are still at a tie. (laughs) Coming out of the enigmas and going into the Bill, I stole your cane, keepsakes. And Tom, you're up first. What is a keepsake you would like to take from this episode? Uh, the cutout of Bill with the book, I think, is is the number one there, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to pass that right. up, right? Yeah. With the, the holding up the, the book, book yeah. with the title to yeah. come. Right. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> All right. Tough to top. Uh, well, I'm going with the keep. easy number two. Easy number two is the tape recorder with the tape. No, yeah, yeah. That, that has to be yeah. the number two. Like, it, it basically, it's almost a coin flip between that and the yep. cutout to me. But, um, but yeah, and it's got to have it's got to have the song. Anytime <laughs> I play, I've got to hear Dave singing "Horse with No Name." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, why did he record himself singing "Horse with No Name"? So he could get better, uh, I guess. Right. <laughs> He's going to play it back and yeah. listen and improve. You've got to wonder about how, how good chock full of notes must have been. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was going to mail it to his chalk buddies. Right. <laughs> All right. Those are both excellent choices. Number one and two on, on my list for sure. All right. Um, Tom, what's your second keepsake? Uh, the manuscript with, that smells of beer. Um, that <laughs> Bill has at the end that that's uh, it, what what turns out to be his term paper. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, like our, the top three were very easy with this episode. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. 
don't you want to know what was written on it? Like, right. Clearly, there are words there. What did they? It might have just been the script from this episode. Right. Honestly, <laughs> you'd be <laughs> cocky I would too. Still want. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Dad. Uh, what's your second keepsake? Uh, it's gonna be Bill's outfit. When he comes in all disheveled, the hobo outfit, as I'm referring to it as. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, if you look at it, it's clear. I mean, again, everything's oversized. It's kind of like a clown. Like, the jacket's oversized. The tie is a little bit wider. You know, like, it's it's Hold funny. Down. It's funny in the way that it's... You don't think of it as being over the top until you rewatch the episode a couple times. You're like, wow, that really doesn't fit. Like, that really <laughs> is, is kind of off. Like, it makes it seem like Bill went in the streets and changed clothes with a hobo. You know, it was trying to, like, get inspiration in a dark alley in New York or something. It just, you know, eats the toothpaste. Like, who are you? It's, I saw you yesterday when you punched out. You know, like. So, but yeah. Maybe I, he was on his way to work and he smelled so bad that he thought he should change clothes with a hobo because that guy smelled better. <laughs> Dre Jones. That is a dark episode. <laughs> like, that can't be on Amazon. That's got to go to HBO Max. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. All good keepsakes. Um, I think uh, Tom is just barely going to edge you out there, Thad. Bringing us to four to three in favor of Tom going into our MVP and runner up. So, Thad, who is your MVP? It's going to be Lisa. Okay. Lisa. And Tom, who's your MVP? Dave. All right, Thad, tell me, why is Lisa the MVP? Um, I think Lisa is the MVP because she gets to be the bully this episode. Uh, and she really gets to pick on Bill pretty much the, like, the entire way through. Uh, you know, even to the point of getting to fake like she doesn't know what's going on at the end. Do you think he bought it? I don't think that we see Lisa kind of have that, almost, I won't say mean-spirited, but again, like, Bill is kind of, his ego is there, and she's checking him at every turn, laughing at him on the inside, like, kind of calling him place. And, and so I, I think that she, more than Dave, actually kind of, like, pushes that, that uh, tension, I guess, between the characters. You know, like, really her pointed shots at Bill kind of, like, keep everything even. Okay. All right. Tom, tell me why Dave is the MVP. Well, aside from the obvious, uh, the recording of Horse With No Name, um, <laughs> there's there's also, uh, he's the one that kind of saves Bill's bacon at the end. He, he, he allows Bill to maintain his dignity because he goes along with, with Bill's idea, or maybe it's Dave's idea. And um, I think I think that's the main reason. Also, he gets some good shots in about the Pentagon Papers and <laughs> so forth and so on. Um, but yeah, Dave. He's in on the cunning plan and crazy caper this time. That's right. <laughs> that was an appropriate time for cunning plans and crazy capers. <laughs> It was the one time he wanted to do it. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Okay. That's a tough call. They they were both really great for different reasons. They both served different roles in this episode. I I think I'm, I think Dave just barely edges out Lisa for me. You both made very good Ooh. arguments, but I think I'm giving Ooh. Tom the edge here. <laughs> 
Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. This episode of the Hoodoo Factory is being brought to you by the Jimmy James web browser. If you have questions and you want them answered immediately, use the Jimmy James web browser. So Tom is leading Thad five rounds to three, coming out of the Absa Fever round. You'd be leading two if you had this, because it's just that good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that completes our abs of fever round. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to bring you the Freakzilla report straight from the message boards. All the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. So here is the Freakzilla report. episode aired that uh, the news radio Usenet forum really started picking up traction. There were not any reviews of this episode at the time that it aired. So I searched the news group for later mentions of this episode and this is what I found. On October 4th, 1998, our friend Tavy came to the message boards to state that she sat down to watch a news radio rerun and didn't record it because she thought surely she must already have a copy of Bill's autobiography, and then she could not believe that she had somehow never seen the episode. So she must have missed it in its original run. This was her first time seeing it. Um, In the same thread, someone named Mad asked, what's the name of the song that Dave is singing in the cassette tape? You know, the one about the horse with no name? (laughs) No one answered. (laughs) This is the internet age. Like. I thought that was a nice, nice adequate touch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, there was a thread in January of 2000 where people were discussing the episodes that had the best final line or final joke. And some of the favorites were Luncheon at the Waldorf. You know, maybe you forfeited your right to reject his thesis when you rammed your tongue down his throat. You know, that's it. Um, arcade had a good one. I wish I was big. Uh, <laughs> rap funeral. This is the mail drop. That's the incinerator shoot. <laughs> and one that came up was Bill's autobiography, with the part where Bill leans back in and says, of course I, did. I didn't, wow. in response to Lisa saying, you think he bought it? Um, so all in all, not a lot of discussion of this particular episode, which kind of makes me think that maybe it wasn't people's all time favorite. I still think it's a pretty solid episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. So right now we're going into the second and final round and Tom is leading Thad by a score of five to three. And round two is the Marty Party, and it's a little more social. It's going to be our Hoodoo Factory versions of Buy or Sell and Would You Rather. And remember, a good Marty Party does not an abs make, except sometimes it does. It's still anyone's game. Here we go. Game one of round two is the real deal or the McNeil perspective. In this game, contestants will get a statement and have to explain why they either buy the statement as the real deal or sell it as the McNeil perspective. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Joe's compliment to Bill about reading the weather was the lamest of the bad compliments Bill received? And this is to Tom first. So you're going to tell me, is it the real deal 
or the McNeil perspective that Joe's compliment to Bill about reading the weather was the lamest of the bad compliments Bill received. I'm going to say this is the real deal. This compliment is very lame. Uh, the other compliments are about his appearance, Bill's appearance, which at at the bar at that time looked very nice. He looked put together somehow from when he was disheveled in the office just earlier that day. Unless it's a different day. I, I, that's tough to tell. But anyhow, um, you could you could argue that they are correct with the other compliments. The reading of the weather, that was like the best weather I've ever heard. Right? Like... <laughs> How? <laughs> get out of here. Did he put extra spice on it or something? Come on, get out. <laughs> All right, fair points. All right, Thad, now you've got to tell me why it's the McNeil perspective that Joe's compliment to Bill about reading the weather was the lamest of the bad compliments Bill received. All right, so Joe's compliment was not the lamest. It actually... it. it recognized a skill that bill has the other ones are just about his appearance all right and i think tom's right when we go for beth Beth's like oh that's a nice tie oh you did a nice job dressing yourself then matthew says i like your haircut and Catherine hops on by saying it's not too long it's not too <laughs> short like first of all first of all what have you ever had two people compliment you at the same time on a haircut if you haven't gone out and gotten a fresh brand new haircut <laughs> right, like that is the most patronizing thing you do and the fact that Catherine was too lazy to even think up her own she jumped on Matthews <laughs> and made it even lamer by talking about the length of his hair I think that is a way more lame compliment he's not getting acknowledged for it's like he didn't even just go to the barber so he's not even getting acknowledged for picking a good barber he's just like being acknowledged <laughs> for having hair which obviously I'm not a real big fan of that type of thing. That's, that's nonsense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure being bald has always been in vogue, right? How long how old is Michael Jordan? That's how long it's been cool. That's that's my policy. That's my rule. Okay. Well, I mean, this one's going at that just on passion alone. <laughs> I kind of agree, though. I mean, like, he, he's a radio broadcaster. No one can see his hair or his tie. <laughs> they can hear him read the weather. So, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, next question, or next statement. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Howard Stern was the best name drop of the episode? So real quick, I'm just going to read a list of the name drops. We've got Howard Stern, Dan Rather, Woody Allen, Spike Lee, Norman Mailer, Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Zelda Fitzgerald, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ross Perot, William Shakespeare, and the guy who invented the microphone. <laughs> Hefty list <laughs> of name drops. So... That, you've got to tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Howard Stern was the best name drop of the episode? All right, it is the McNeil perspective that Howard Stern is the best name drop of the episode. Uh, and the way you got to look at this, this question is basically Howard Stern versus the field. So if you look at all the other names, we're talking about literary greats, we're talking about uh, presidential candidates, uh, we're talking about athletes in the form of WWE, WWF back then, wrestlers, uh, filmmakers, everything. I, I think that you have to say that one of those names 
maybe not more relevant at that time, but is a better name drop, more impactful name drop than Howard Stern. Fair enough. Fair point. All right, Tom, that means you've got to tell me why is the real deal that Howard Stern was the best name drop of the episode? Well, in the world of radio, Howard Stern, this is the the real deal because Howard Stern mm. was the biggest name in radio at the time. Like he was, he was bigger than that guy that was really big. Um, so <laughs> questionable. So yeah, and this is coming off the uh, the aforementioned book, um, Private Parts, that had come out a few years earlier. The movie would be coming out in a in another year or so. So that's why it's the real deal. Baba Booey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. I'm going to give this one to Thad as well. Um, let's not forget that just last episode in our time capsule from the internet, our friend Tavy was reporting that, you know, the one and only Howard Stern was trashing our favorite show news radio. So I'm taking that into account. <laughs> Very good. Which brings us back to a tie five to five. All right, here we go. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Been in <for> years. <laughs> Since at least the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Dave and Lisa working together in an episode is better than when they fight? And Tom, this is to you. So is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Dave and Lisa working together in an episode is better than when they fight? I'm going to say this is the McNeil perspective. I think it's always more enjoyable when they go head to head. Um, even if it's not like a real serious thing, it's more like even the episode where they bought the TV during movie star where they're, they're kind of butting heads, but it's still the, the comedy comes from that them working together. It's kind of like, well, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I'd rather see them go at it. Like Jimmy, Jimmy would rather see that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Dad, tell me. Why it's the real deal that Dave and Lisa working together in an episode is better than when they fight. All right. So this is going to be the real deal because Dave and Lisa working together allows you to have a lot of the comedy of them kind of pushing the boundaries. For instance, when they hook up, we did, we did the, the Love Life episode or we did the Love Life unit All right, in the couch. And Lisa plays the joke of, like, are my nylons on the couch? Those aren't mine. <laughs> All right. Which again, maybe it's a little antagonistic, but that's the two of them together kind of having that back and forth. So I like it because it kind of it kind of shows that Dave is the moral center of the show. As goody goody as Lisa is, she tends to actually want to kind of go after people a little bit more. This is what I'm saying after the last couple of units is like, seems like she kind of likes to, to poke Bill and go after people a little bit. And Dave's the one that's got to reel her in or at least call her out for it. And I think I really like the the calling each other out aspect of when they're working together um, versus when they're just openly in a conflict. Mm-hmm. Your confusing thesis intrigues me. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to give that one to Tom because I, I sort of agree. I think the comedy comes from the conflict. And, and I think sort of what you're saying, Thad, is that even when they're working together, it's, it's the calling each other out, which is still sort of yeah. a little bit working against each other. Like it's, it's, it's not, they're not exactly on the same team. That's what brings the comedy is what I'm saying. And I'm the judge. So, so there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
wrote All this right. question. <laughs> okay, last one. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that this episode has the best Mexican bar as a setting seen in the series? And that you get this one first. So is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. Uh, okay. The best Mexican bar as a setting one is when Dave is called Lisa a bitch and the entire staff knows about it. And then when Dave and Lisa leave, they are so excited to talk about it. And then we get the Bill McNeil, uh, the Catherine dropping Bill's real name. <laughs> Words don't hurt. What if I called you a name? Evelyn. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Evelyn. It's pronounced Evelyn. Um, <laughs> I think that's got to be the best one. More because the excitement of everybody's excited to be there and excited to talk about gossip about what's going on at the office. I think that's the part which uh, makes it better than the other Mexican bar as a setting scenes. Okay. So you're describing the, the scene from the episode, The Breakup? <laughs> yes. Yes. And Tom, so now you've got to tell me why this is the real deal that this episode has the best Mexican bar as a setting seen in the series. I think it it is the real real deal because of uh, what we talked about earlier with Bill going through his coworkers and telling him why he, they are more interesting and and kind of typecasting everyone. Um, and that whole that whole bit with the <laughs> two bit. Hood Monke <laughs> with a can-do attitude that borders on psychosis. <laughs> You're a woman and you're black. Ooh, what Ooh, I would what give. I <laughs> Perfect response. It's not all okay. <laughs> And then his pause before he says, sorry, have to race guys. <laughs> So all those lines, they're, they're going into the the comedy of like sometimes a man just needs to drink alone and then Matthew yeah. sort of like butchering that at the end. I, I, I think it is the strongest scene of any of the Mexican bar ones. The uh, the evil and drop was a big deal, but I don't think the rest of it was as funny. No. Take that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in preparing for this question, I had written down the scene in the breakup with the reveal of yes. Bill's real name is the superior scene. So for that reason, I've got to give this one to Thad, yes. which of course brings us to a dead heat. By, it's a six six. By the way, the, the actual real answer for the best bar scene is Rat Funeral when they're going through their dogs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ran away. I was just going to say that's the best line from that episode. <laughs> suicide. Jumped out of the bowl. <laughs> All right. Our final game of the show is a would you rather game based on ideas related to the episode. We'll have a short discussion about each of the four choices and the always unfortunate bonus consequence, then everyone, including the host, will draft from all the choices. Whoever's day sucks the least will win the game and be awarded a whopping six ABSA points. So here are the choices. All right, would you rather find out your coworkers had a meeting where they celebrated a failure of yours or have a work presentation where everything that can go wrong does go wrong? And Tom... I'm going to get your opinion first. What do you think? Uh, I think I'd rather have the work presentation where everything goes wrong and the can, can go wrong because then 
like I know I did it and it's over with and, and done with the other one would leave me with a lot of questions like why are they mm-hmm. meeting about me and like <laughs> to celebrate a failure of mine like that doesn't sound good that it sounds like you agree Uh, i do agree and it's like a worst case scenario i can quit after that presentation you're like we'll never get to them meeting behind my back because i don't work there anymore so (laughs) no but i'm with tommy i think i'd rather have the situation where he's like man that was awful than to have all the questions of like what is happening here Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like if the work presentation, everything goes wrong, you at least get a little sympathy for it. Everyone's like, oh, no, like that could have been me up there, you know. But, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of unanswered questions if they're celebrating your failure and scheduling a meeting for it to boot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next question. Would you rather have to watch the most recent Five WrestleManias, three hours apiece, 15 hours total, in a single sitting with very few breaks, or have to read one or a combination of the authors mentioned in the episode for about 10 hours with very few breaks. Thad, what do you think? All right, so the authors that are mentioned in this episode, Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Zelda Fitzgerald, Norman Mailer, and there's an allusion to Shakespeare. Um, although Dan Rather did write a book. So a combination, 10 hours of reading any combination of those. So here's what I'm going to say. The Great Gatsby is a wonderful book, but it is thick and it is difficult to read vocabulary-wise. All right, The language does not flow as descriptive as it is. And as thin as that book fools you into thinking that it is, <laughs> like, it makes up for it in the words. So looking at this, even though I think I would enjoy them for shorter periods, I think I can kind of tune out to WrestleMania or find some way to kind of enjoy myself. Uh, Although I am not looking forward to watching 15 hours straight of WrestleMania. That is, (laughs) it's almost enough to maybe want to read more Shakespeare. Rough stuff. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going with B. Okay. Tom, what about you? Not B, not B. Uh, I'm going the other way. I, I would rather read for 10 hours because, A, that's five hours left. You know, that's only two-thirds of the time. And a wrestling, I mean, maybe it was like 10-year-old me could have sat and watched wrestling for 15 hours. But I I have not been into wrestling since about that age. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather read the books. This is a tough one because, yeah, these aren't, like, easy beach reads, you know? This is dense reading no matter how you look at it. But I agree, like, the 10 hours is shorter than 15 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the sound would get to me. At least, like, reading is a quiet activity. I think I think listening to 15 hours of WrestleMania would be harder than actually watching 15 hours of WrestleMania to me. I think that would really start to get to me. I could listen to 15 hours of the Macho Man and Jerry Lawler. (laughs) Once again, not a choice any of us want to make, but here we are. Here we are. Okay. Would you rather have your boss give you several backhanded compliments at a meeting or watch your boss snap a life-size pop-up of you over their knee? 
Now, I got to say, I didn't write this. I call it a cardboard cutout. Is this pop-up? Is this an East Coast thing? Is that some uh, New York stuff? What do you call that? I, yeah, like, I, I thought it was a cutout. I like a stand-up or standee or something. I cardboard cutout. Yeah. yeah. yeah standee? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot yeah. of names for that thing. Right. We're talking about the, the, the big image of Bill. Right. Except in this case, right. it would be an image of yourself. Um, yes. Okay. I'd rather... Tom, what do you think? That seems better. It's, it's Boom, it's over. You know, whatever. It's fine. Uh, that doesn't bother me too much. Having the cardboard cutout broken. Yeah. Okay. Thad, what do you think? Um. So I didn't mention the edit. Angrily snap a life-size pop-up of you over their knee. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Like, there so was a twist. Your boss I didn't... is very angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might make a difference. Um, yeah, and that it, that does that does make a difference. Um. So in that case, so like that's kind of like it's kind of like passive-aggressive versus openly aggressive. Uh. Mm. And in a business setting, I guess. Passive aggressive is probably a little bit better. Um, if my boss angrily snapped the pop up will be over my knee, and I didn't feel like it was deserved, I would probably physically challenge my boss. <laughs> you want to try that with the real thing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, you feeling you feeling froggy? Um, so I think I would have to go with the backhand of compliments because I would be able to stew and then kind of get over it and figure out what to do next. <laughs> but if someone angrily snapped a life-size like picture of me, I would take it very personally. Tom, does it change your answer if, if your boss is angry while they're snapping nah, it? No, not really. Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah, see, for me, I have someone in my life who gives me backhanded compliments uh. constantly, and I don't need any more of that. I, I will respect you more if you just directly insult me. Mm. <laughs> and also, no matter how angry my boss is, I think I would still uh, I would still laugh at the image of that cardboard cutout getting snapped. <laughs> like, there's still something funny about that. Like, it, it would be inappropriate laughter, but I think I would still laugh. So <laughs> I, might, I might be in more trouble after that. Like, so I you, still you still want to fight. You just want to... You know, <laughs> They're trying to prove a point. And you laugh at them, like, Ooh, like that's gonna lead to a. I'm gonna be gonna in more fight trouble. One way or the other. I, at least I had a good laugh over it. <laughs> I'm like, what did I do to make my boss do that? <laughs> and, and why do you have a cutout in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> All right, we'll save that for the the part B. The more of our enigmas. <laughs> All right. Next question. Would you rather accidentally send a voicemail of yourself singing a silly, potentially embarrassing song to a coworker or look over your shoulder at work and see a group of five coworkers all smile and wave at you at the same time? Okay. Before you answer this question, (laughs) I got to say that this choice reminds me of one evening when I was telling a bedtime story to my daughter and unbeknownst to me, she activated the voice to text feature on my watch <laughs> and I inadvertently texted a bedtime story to our very own Thaddeus. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> That's right. I forgot, but I do remember that it happened. Yeah. I hope you slept well that night. <laughs> I sure I did. Like, I figured it out. I was like, okay, I think I know what's going on here. <laughs> and because of the time difference, I didn't want to like text right back and, and explain it right away. I'm like, it's it's like well after midnight over there. Yeah. <laughs> so I just had to think about it all night. 
and then I had, uh, you know, I just had this metaphysical moment where I'm like, I used to have girls texting me asking <laughs> for maybe some of my time. And now I have girls who are texting me bedtime stories. Like, <laughs> yeah, this was not a you up text. <laughs> it's a good sleep text. That would be more insulting, actually. Now that I'm talking about it, that's actually more insulting. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't want you up. As a matter of fact, I want you to go to bed right now. <laughs> I hope you're sleeping. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sorry if I sent you your first ever go to bed text. <laughs> Better than it come from a friend, I suppose. Right. I guess so. Got your best interest at heart. Go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, after sharing that embarrassing moment, how do you guys feel about this choice? Would you rather send the voicemail of yourself singing or... Um, notice your your coworkers smiling and waving at you over your shoulder. <laughs> uh, I'd rather send the voicemail myself. I'm going with the voicemail as well. Yeah, you you both have a lovely voice, I'm sure. Yeah, first of all, no, I don't have a lovely voice. <laughs> uh, but like, it's it's almost like it's happened before. You know, like you ever walk around and like you're singing a song to yourself, and then you realize you're singing out loud, and somebody's like, "Uh, guy." <laughs> you know? You know? Um, man, I, I coached this kid one time, and we're in the weight room, and he starts singing uh, "Girls Don't Cry." You know, and I'm just like, what are you doing? This is a weight room right here. You know, like, I made a way bigger deal of it than it actually was. Uh, but it was it was just kind of funny. You know, it was just incongruous. So, like, yeah, I definitely brought it up a couple more times after that. He was real cool. He just shrugged it off. Didn't even affect him at all. He was real cool about it. Um, well, that's good. But it's like, I feel like that's happened to me. It's happened to other people. Like, I can deal with that. But just like the other one, man, you look over and everyone looks at you and just kind of gives you a little wave. That's a little creepy. You're just like... Oh, you got a lot of questions. You're definitely talking right? about me. Like, uh-huh. Whatever it is, yeah. you're definitely yeah. talking about me. <laughs> yeah, like like the song one, you're like, okay, I get it. That's on me. My bad. Yeah. I did that, right? But the, the five coworkers, first of all, the song, you sent it to a coworker. That's one. This is five coworkers. And, and now you're wondering what kind of conspiracy theory is going on behind your back. <laughs> yeah. A2, <laughs> Brute. <laughs> All right. Okay. Our bonus consequence here is that you lose a bet and have to tell your coworkers a knock-knock joke every 30 minutes. I don't know about you guys. I feel like this is my version of um, Jimmy James streaking through the Chicago Mercantile Exchange at noon. Like, I came out ahead on this one. I, don't know. <laughs> I got little kids. I am loaded up with knock-knock jokes. We're talking about 16 knock-knock jokes that your coworkers are going to appreciate. Knock-knock. Who's there? Who's there? Tank. Tank who? Tank who? You're welcome. Uh, knock knock. <laughs> Boo. Boo hoo. Uh, Don't cry. It's only uh, a joke. Yeah, you think you can do that 14 more times? You're not going to get some sort of pushback. Oh, just wait. Knock knock. <laughs> Make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> I need a. I need a doll. <laughs> Okay, I'll jump. I'll jump to the end. Okay, why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other uh, side. No, to get to the idiot's house. Knock knock. Who's there? The chicken. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't know if you can do sixteen to get to that punchline. I'm gonna tell you this right now. 
You you should see my list. You are not going to have high scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Punchline might have a different definition by the time you get to the 16th one. I think I figured out why my boss angrily snapped the cut out of me. Yeah. 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 Definitely. All right. Now that we've discussed the choices, we're going to do a quick draft, and then we'll come back and let you know how everybody's day went. Welcome back. We have drafted our choices, and now we're going to find out how adequate everyone's day was. So my day went like this. I lost a bet and had to tell my coworkers knock-knock jokes every 30 minutes. Had to or got to? Did not go judge. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give a presentation where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Cue knock-knock jokes. <laughs> And then I found out that my coworkers had a meeting where they celebrated one of my failures, which I'm assuming had something to do with the knock-knock jokes. <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> Almost definitely. All right, here's Dad's day. He accidentally sent a voicemail to one of his coworkers of him singing a silly and potentially embarrassing song. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> He had to watch the most recent five WrestleManias, five hours apiece, 15 hours total in a single sitting. So you can assume that song had something to do with WrestleMania. And then he looked over his shoulder at work to see a group of five coworkers all smile and wave at him at the same time. Probably because the coworker who got the voicemail of the song shared it around. Not again. <laughs> Tom's day went like this. Uh, he had to read a one or a combination of the authors mentioned in this episode for about 10 hours. He, then he had to watch his boss snap a life-size pop-up of him <laughs> over his knee. Oh, angrily. Let's not forget that. Angrily. His boss was angrily snapping this pop-up. <laughs> and then he had to have his boss give him several backhanded compliments <laughs> at the meeting. And I have a special hatred in my heart for backhanded compliments. So that is going to win this one. And that's going to make him the winner of the Adequate Day game, as well as the episode. Congratulations. You win this episode's ABSA yes. Award for Excellence. Do you have any final thoughts for your adoring fans? Yes, I'd just like to uh, talk about what an honor it is to uh, always be mentioned in the company of Howard Stern. Dan Rather, Ross Perot, <laughs> Hemingway, F. Scott, Zelda, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Woody Allen, well, maybe him not so much, Spike Lee, Norman Mailer, <laughs> and the allusion to Shakespeare. It is a tremendous honor that my name will now be among these stars connected to this episode forever. And I just want to say, Lauren, the, uh, the, the way you read those questions just... Really, really good, man. Really good. <laughs> you told them, didn't you? <laughs> the way you told those knock-knock jokes, that was amazing. Great job. <laughs> well, we hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. But a fuko to you, too. Pantyhose. 
Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>